I will not begin this talk by listing the famous people of Britain or of British descent, nor will I recount the victories of Britain nor its cultural achievements which span the globe. Such a project in the space available would ultimately be self-defeating. A halfway complete list would end up being as boring as the Bible's begots. It would also be beyond the author's abilities to discern which notables to leave out. If anything can be said about Britain, is that we have a superfluity of merit, our cup of famous and notable personages and events runneth over. There is no comparable nation on earth to Britain. One is still tempted at this juncture to drop a name or two just to indicate the width and breadth of some of the individuals that have been blessed with a British heritage. But then who to pick and who to leave out when choosing a person to illustrate British cultural glory, that is the problem. As such we will not use lists of scientists, war heroes, political giants and great religious men to trump the achievements of Britain. Nor will bother to name the colonies of this great island and mention how great a light it is that they shine on the world. The colonies of Britain are like a beacon to those of other lands. People will literally risk death to make it to any English-speaking nation. What must it be like to live in a nation in which the dream of most is to escape it, as if it were a prison? Our children do not grow up dreaming to make it to a land that speaks the British tongue. We are already here. But of course, it is bad form to mention cultural superiority. The polite person pretends not to notice a difference between cultures, from which men and women stream out in desperation, and the places to which they desperately want to go. British cultures cannot fight they off or convince them to remain and build up their own lands. They desire nothing more than to abandon their place of birth and make landing on land which boasts a British heritage. But what did Britain actually do right? Yes, it is a leader in just about every field of human endeavor. But this only begs the question. It is natural for a person or a nation to be good in one thing while other nations and people are good in others, but to be best across such a broad spectrum of things is not due to natural advantage. Britain earned its laurels. If Britain excelled in politics, religion, and economics it cannot be these that explain its success. But what is left if Britain's invention of capitalism does not explain the Westminster model of governance or its development of a Christianity based on the King James Scripture, its economics? The thing that underwrites Britain's success is Britain's integrity. Britain is a moral nation. But this is not a subjective determination. One does not progress far by self-recommendation. There has to be more between good and evil than a musket ball or songs of praise. Britain what a powerful land. Pound for pound the strongest nation that has ever existed. Martial prowess will give a realm battlefield success but not scientific and economic victories. There has to be more to morality than popular opinion or force of arms. In fact, the military might of Britain does not explain Britain's military might, it begs it. No one looked at Britain in 1300 AD and said it was destined for greatness. How did Britain's generals and admirals win out over many very successful warriors? It was the British peoples who brought down Hitler who had defeated Europe in a matter of months 
as we brought down Napoleon and indeed wrested authority away from the Pope. It is important to understand what Britain did right when so many are doing the same things wrong. But it would do Britain a disservice to pass it off as due to some genetic anomaly. Some might think the lauding of Britain is a thin disguise for racism. But racism does not explain the success of anyone, it merely serves as a cover for another person's failure. Britain was as white in the 1200s as it was in the 1700s, but it was more successful in the latter period than the former. Nor is misogyny going to find a safe port in this discussion. Britain's greatest era was under its greatest monarchs, all queens, in the original sense of the word. Indeed, if what Britain achieved was due to a discreet, unrepeatable event, what is the point of the discussion? Perhaps the success of Britain has not been analyzed to the degree it ought to have been because of the fear Britain can never be equaled. But we know there were great civilizations. That they did not last does not make them less great. But we could expect that there is a factor that makes nations great, and they are as great as they imbibe the potion. Perhaps it was her queens that gave Britain her edge. The question really is, if the greatness of Great Britain and to a lesser extent the cultures of Rome and Greece and other realms can be equaled or excelled, or not. This being said, Britain's success has in this sense, little or nothing to do with Britain as a people or landmass. To put it another way, the roots of Britain's greatness were established 6,000 years ago in Eden. Everything you need to know about cultural success and civilization can be learned from a study of the events of Eden. If we stop focusing on the metaphysics of the story and look at it as akin to an Aesop's fable, the real meaning of the narrative will be seen. Yes, it is a story about good and evil and the war between God and Satan, but let's be honest, Satan is no match for God. If the outcome of the story is man being ejected out of Eden, there is a very decisive change in the human condition that is being talked about. Eden was a perfect existence or what we have come to call a utopia. Whatever happened in Eden, it resulted in man's ejection out of this into a system we can assume is operated by Satan. So, we can assume there is a good and evil that harkens back to two distinct ways of living. Adam did something that was fundamentally wrong. What Adam did made him adopt a way of living alien to that devised by God. At the same time, we have to assume the knowledge of the truth is still in us. This is not something mystical or esoteric. It is simply the way the world is constructed. If we do right as a people or as an individual, we succeed. If we do wrong, the results are less than what we know they could have been. Mankind knows when progress is possible and strives towards this. So, it is in us to know there is not only better and worse, but better and best. We have a sense of what the ideal situation would look like. The physical world may work from the principle of causality, but mankind is ontological. We aspire to things. We do not react to events unless our systems failed us. That being said, why not take a shortcut? Why did Britain not exploit all of its colonies to the degree the Spanish, Germans and others, exploited theirs? Why did Britain with the most power, not make France and Germany vassal states? 
if we work together a lot can get done. But this degree of cooperation requires a lot of organization. Most tribes perform very little in the way of community-based activities. Probably this type of subsistence living was common in Britain also, at one time. But there is a choice. We can each build our own home, tools and implements, or we can specialize. Specialization makes us dependent on the cooperation of others. But what happens if specialization is introduced, but I only work to benefit myself while I make use of the charitable nature of the tribe? Would I not succeed more in the long run than the rest of the tribe, but would they allow it? Perhaps, but trying to freeload off of one's fellows is akin to the prisoner's dilemma. If we all help one another, we do good, if I cheat, I will do better than average, unless I get caught. But what if we all end up cheating and no one plays by the rules anymore? If everyone cheats, we are worse off than we ever were. All that happened with Britain is the British did not cheat as much as other groups, peoples and nations. We had integrity and it resulted in the long-term success of the island. Even the thin red line did not break because the individual soldier knew the rest of the line depended on his resilience. Even when other nations or groups gained in the short term by cheating, but it was not sustainable because their success was not based on faith but a false cooperation. The adoption of the KJV Bible by Britain is not coincidental. Britain was a nation built on faith. Without trust we have nothing. It is not faith in God that is instrumental in human success, because faith in God is meaningless without faith in our fellow man. This is why charity is so important. We need to be charitable in the widest sense of the term. Britain did a lot of wrong things, but they never needed to be perfect, only better than the competition. If they were harsh in many instances, they were less harsh than their competitors and their countrymen were charitable in their response to the inhumanity of many of their leaders. The British were able to forgive and that is important. Britain is not a one-of-a-kind culture, it simply tried harder to be better. Britain more than any other nation was a meritocracy. Royalty did not rule by entitlement but as a symbol of a person who tried to earn their position, even though it was inherited, they attempted to live up to the highest ideals of their office. But to fully understand Britain we need to understand the events of Eden. Adam was the world's first liberal and Eve the first feminist. Satan was the world's first statesman. He divided to conquer, turning Adam and Eve against God to gain their support. God was depicted as being unfair. Eve was given a sense of entitlement. But what was overlooked was that Eden belonged to God and no one had a claim on any of it, but God. Man was given Eden for personal use needs, they could eat and make use of the garden, but there was a portion reserved to God. Think of God's portion as commercial use. The tree of knowledge of good and evil is a phrase often truncated as the tree of knowledge. However, it is not knowledge that is the issue, it is the fruit of the tree that is significant. The fruit is progress or what we know of as civilization. Progress gives us good and evil depending on how it is prosecuted, and this brings us back to the experience of Britain. 
Britain took the high road and produced a civilization that was far better than it was evil. But the question then becomes one of where the line is to be drawn between good and evil, because without this line there is no true good and evil, there is only preferences. There is a reason why good has been associated, at least biblically, with commercial activity. Commerce adds value. Socialism or communism consumes value or externalizes costs onto society and future generations. A communist, even when it is has the form of a business, does not pay its costs. These costs are in some way externalized onto society and future generations. The communist may get rich, but the community is made worse off. Put in the context of the British Empire, Britain paid its way to a much greater extent than other colonizers or incipient empire builders. To do better than Britain, which is surely possible, is to freeload less and innovate more.